Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Then verily the first covenant also ordinance of divine service and worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had a golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. Hebrews 9, these few verses, of course, refer back to the Old Testament, to the tabernacle, the things that were in the tabernacle. And there's many things that we could talk about this evening when we think about the tabernacle in the wilderness. But I want to draw from verse number 4, Just one of the three items, we'll briefly mention the others, but just one of those items, and that is Aaron's rod that budded. And from that, my subject this evening is just simply this, the budding rod, the budding rod. Lord, I love you today, and I thank you for your goodness and mercy and the strength of your presence and power that we have already been able to taste of here tonight. And so I just ask you right now in the name of the Lord, to touch all of our hearts and strengthen us. Your word is anointed, but we're not questioning that word tonight, but we're asking you to touch our hearts and our minds, Lord, that we might have a a heart that would be open and receptive and a mind that would be fertile enough to receive the seed of your word and be challenged again in Jesus' name. Amen. And God bless you. You can be seated. The writer of Hebrews reminds us in these few verses of that Old Testament tabernacle. The Old Testament, I've said many times, everything that there is such continuity in the Word of God. You can place your finger in Genesis, trace it all the way to Revelation, and and, uh, never will there be a thread unbroken. The Old Testament is just filled with breadcrumbs, if if you will, breadcrumbs that lead us. And they teach us. They speak in types and shadows. All of them, not trying to get ahead of myself here tonight, but all of them pointing us to Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Redeemer. The fulfillment of Jesus. For instance, the tabernacle is a type of the incarnation of the Lord. And and God dwelt in curtains. He dwelt in a tent. We find that in the Old Testament. He dwelt in that old tabernacle in the earth. And then we thread our way through the Old Testament and into the New Testament. And John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
We understand that verse 14, I understand again my audience tonight, so I'm just trying to hit the high points. But the Bible says in verse number 14 that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's an important phrase that we need to understand, dwelt among us. The word or the phrase dwelt among us in a literal translation means to tent or to tabernacle among us. And so when John was choosing these words, these were not random words. These were not just whimsical thoughts. But John was saying that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Amen. And that word became flesh and tabernacled. Amen. Tented. Among us, John, with his foot planted in the New Testament, was was firmly pointing back to the Old Testament, reminding us that the tabernacle of old was not just a relic. It was not just something that got us through, but it was something that was pointing us to Jesus Christ. John portrays this tabernacle as a dwelling place of God, are the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Also, when we consider the rending of the veil, when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, it was through the tearing of the veil or the tearing of his flesh on that cross that gave us access to the glory of God. Behold, the Bible says it is finished. And then then the scripture talks about, behold, the veil in the temple was rent into or torn into What previously could only be occupied by the high priest was now open to whosoever will. Aren't you thankful for the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Amen. Things written in the Old Testament, they were just small glimpses of the revelation of Jesus Christ. It was just the opening of the blinds. It was just peering through the telescope of time to point us to our Messiah. The Old Testament had ordinances of divine service. They had ordinances of service or or divine service or sanctuary, if I could say, in the world. Hebrews reminds us of the tabernacle. And then the writer of Hebrews just gives us a brief description of the compartments of this tabernacle. First, the holy place, where he said was the candlestick and the showbread. And then he talks about the holies of holies. Beyond the veil... Beyond the veil. Beyond the veil was the Ark of the Covenant. He also mentions the golden censer before it. But the central thought of the tabernacle, the central thought of the tabernacle system was the Ark of the Covenant. That was the most sacred piece of furniture. They all had significance. They all had a meaning. But the most significant piece of furniture was the Ark of the Covenant. Amen. Here is we find the ark, and then the ark of the covenant specifically talks about holding three treasures or three things: the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the table of the covenant. And so herein we find the ark of the covenant one more time, not just a piece of furniture, not just something of mere casual mention, but the ark was a type of Jesus Christ. Exodus 25 and 10 talks about the specific wood that the ark was to be made out of, made from. And so the ark of the covenant, while it was divine and while it was holy, 
The Bible teaches us and tells us that it was wood. Amen. It was just wood. This speaks of the humanity of Jesus Christ. Exodus 25, 11 says that that wood, just ordinary wood. You could have made anything out of this wood. You could have made a boat oar out of this wood. You could have made a doorstop out of this wood. Amen. But it just talks about his humanity, the, the humanity of Jesus Christ. But in verse 11, he talks about this wood, this common wood, if you please, being overlaid with pure gold. What a great word picture of the deity of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so while we have the wood and while we have the gold, something that should not be lost to us is that it was just still one piece. Hebrews reminds us of the items that were in this ark. These items, again, were not random choices, but God was sending a message. God was nailing down some things. They refer to things that are inherent to Jesus Christ himself. There was, in the Ark of the Covenant, the Ten Commandments. Amen. That word, that word which was the life, that word which was the character of God, the word which was the validation of the law of God. It is referred to His holy and it is pure. His word is undefiled. Amen. And that refers to and points to the life of Jesus Christ who is pure, who is holy. Amen. Who is undefiled, who lived a sinless life. We find the fulfillment of that law. Amen. The fulfillment. That is a key word. We find the fulfillment of the law in Jesus Christ. Because Matthew 5 and 17, Jesus says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but I have come to fulfill. And so I feel sorry for people who think the Old Testament is just for yesterday or yesteryear. Amen. The Old Testament was not for them and the New Testament for us. But the Old Testament was, I'm going to say it again, breadcrumbs pointing us. It was signs. Amen. And so Jesus even said, I didn't come to destroy it. I didn't come to destroy the law. I didn't come to destroy the prophets. I came to fulfill the law. The second thing in the ark was that golden pot of manna. What a wonderful picture of Jesus Christ who is to you and I living bread from heaven. Amen. Bread of heaven. Feed me till I want no more, the songwriter said. In him we live and we gain our strength, our spiritual life. I've mentioned more than one time and I've always had people respond, even here in this audience, how when you feel the assailing winds pressing against you that you can pick up that word and begin to read it. Or today you can just turn it on and begin to listen to it. And there's just something about that word. It doesn't have to be any specific scripture. It doesn't have to be any specific place. But there are some specific scriptures. And there are some specific places. Amen. If you want to feel the winds and the tides shift, just turn to Psalms 91. Amen. And I promise you, you can't read that without somehow feeling like your personal Red Sea is beginning to part and you're going to be able to cross over on dry ground. And then the third thing that was in that ark was Aaron's rod that budded. What a beautiful picture of the resurrection and the fruitfulness of Jesus. And so tonight, I want to just look into this precious painting, amen, of what this budding rod represents to all of us. And let's consider perhaps just a little bit of what, of what God meant to give us in this incredible illustration. 
for us to understand, I believe, the illustration of Aaron's rod. We need to see it in its full context. And so in order many times to go forward, we need to go backward. And so tonight I want to take us back just a little bit, amen, so that we can understand the value or even how Aaron's rod came into the picture. Amen. So if we look back at Numbers chapter 16, if, I'm not going to read this for the, all for the sake of time here tonight, but if we look back at Numbers 16, we would see the story of the rebellion of a man by the name of Korah, another man by the name of Dathan, another man by the name of Abiram and their families. These men, they rose up against Moses. They rose up against Aaron. Amen. These men were competitors for the priesthood. They were not content with where God had placed them, and they wanted to be in the place of Aaron. Amen. However, in Exodus 28, God had already established that Aaron and the household of Aaron, they were they that were going to be the high priests. They would serve in that capacity. And in number 16, God had also established where Korah, Dathan, and Abiram would serve. Not one better than the other. We all have our place, but we all must stay in our place. In number 16, God established that the Levites, that's who Korah, Dathan, and Abiram were, they were going to be those that were servants in the temple. It would be they that would carry the pieces of the tabernacle when it was time to move. However, these men in their heart, almost like the spirit of Lucifer, we want to be like them. We want to be like somebody else. And, and so in order, in order to designate the priesthood as being to Aaron, in order to designate the priesthood to be Aaron's house, God brought up, amen, upon Korah and his followers three horrific, horrific judgments. I want to tell you tonight that the spirit of rebellion is a very dangerous, a very dangerous thing. Amen. The first judgment that came upon them, the Bible says that the earth opened up and it swallowed Korah and his family, number 16. And then the second judgment that came upon them, there came out from the fire of, from the Lord of fire and it consumed 250 men that were offering sacrifices. And then the third judgment were against those that murmured and said, why did you do this, Moses? I mean, why did you kill these people? And they're trying to portray them as innocent. Amen. And I want to tell you when you read your Bible, amen, don't do it now, but when you read this story in your Bible, amen, while they murmured, Amen. While the words, Brother Williams, was fresh on their lips, the judgment of God began. Immediately, immediately, Moses, he summons Aaron. And he sent Aaron running through the camp with a censer in his hand to try to stay the hand of God's judgment. Amen. This plague was only stopped by the intercession of Aaron. But I want to remind you that according to number 16, toward the latter portion of that chapter, you can read, it was not stopped. Aaron could not load his censer, so to speak, and run fast enough before 14,700 people. It's in your Bible. 14,700 people died. Amen. Because of the judgment of God. There's a lot to be said about the spirit of murmuring and the 
the spirit, amen, of rebellion. God, help us to do your will and to stay where you have placed us. Amen. God was trying to drive a point home. Amen. Now you can rest assured by the time this third judgment was done that this kind of judgment stopped everybody from talking. I would imagine they barely waved at one another in the camp. People stood in terror. They stood in astonishment at the judgment of God. But God is wise. And he knew that people, though they're quiet right now, there's going to be another generation. They're going to forget these punishments. They're going to forget the hand of God. And there would rise another people in the future that would once again elevate themselves. So the Lord, in his mercy, said, I need to leave a sign. I need to leave a sign for another generation. And so he prepared a sign that he could designate forever and always who my man is going to be. Pardon me if that sounds disrespectful. Amen. But God said, I want to show these people who I have selected to be and the household who I have selected to stand between God and man. And that sign that God prepared is revealed in number 17. Number 17, verse number 1, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and take every one of them a rod, according to the house of their fathers, of all their princes, according to the house of their fathers, twelve rods, write thou every man's name upon his rod. And thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi. For one rod shall be of the head of the house of their fathers. And thou shalt lay them, listen, thou shalt lay them in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony where I will meet with you. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom. And, it may, and I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel whereby they murmur against you. Now let's drop down to verse number 9. The Bible says, And Moses, he did according to the word of God. Moses laid the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness. And behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds and bloomed blossoms and yielded almonds. And Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord unto the children of Israel. And they looked and they took. They looked and took every man his rod. Remember, every rod had their name written on it. There was no denying. There was no trickery. There was no smoke. There was no mirrors. Amen. Every rod had their name on it. And so every man's rod, amen, was still nothing but a dry stick. Every man's rod was nothing. It was just like it was when it was handed to Moses. And Moses laid it in the tent of tabernacle. But it was Aaron's rod that had been quickened. It was Aaron's rod that had been made alive through the night. Amen. It laid all night in the dark. 
It laid not all night without anything. Amen. But somehow all those rods lay with nothing. But on the rod of Aaron, life began to be breathed into it. And the Bible says there were buds. And the Bible says there were blossoms. I mean, we could just stop at buds. And that would be an, an incredible thing. And then, and then the Bible said, but it blossomed. Oh, we could stop right there. And that would be an incredible thing. But that's not where the scripture stops. Amen. The Bible says there was even almonds. There was even almonds. There was fruit on this rod. Number 17 and 10. And the Lord said unto Moses, bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony to be kept for a token against the rebels. And thou shalt quiet, quiet, take away their murmurings from me that they die not. I want to place something in this Ark of the Covenant that will remind them that Aaron is my man. Amen. Aaron is in his house. That is my voice. Hallelujah. The rod that budded brought forth almonds. It was laid in that ark. It was not laid in there for a museum relic. It was not laid in there so men and women could ooh and awe. It was laid in there to remind them that I am the Lord thy God. Amen. I and I alone. I and I alone. It was God's irrevocable word on who he had chosen to be the high priest. Never again. Never again was there a question about who was the high priest. Amen. This miracle was so decisive. This miracle was so clear. And the door was so firmly slammed shut that even the skeptics were convinced. The only exception to this story, amen, the only exception to this story would be King Uzziah. King Uzziah, if you keep reading your Bible, you remember that King Uzziah, he got presumptuous. He got lifted up. So many things were going well in his life. So many things were going his way. The table was so tilted in his favor until one day he decided, I'll go in and I will do the office of the high priest. I will offer something before the Lord. And the Bible says instantly. He meant instantly, in a moment of time, that he was stricken with leprosy in his forehead. Hear me now. Amen. Hear me now. And he died as a leper because God said the rod is still in the ark. You're not, you're not in your lane. You're not where you're supposed to be. I've called somebody to do this. Outside of that one incident, there was never again any doubt about who the high priest was. I believe that the reason that God was so intentional about establishing the priesthood of Aaron was because the priesthood of Aaron was the type of the holy priesthood of Jesus Christ. And the Lord said, I don't want anything to mess this up. I've got to send a clear picture. And I've got to send an uninterrupted message. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. And that is the man, the man, Christ Jesus. I can't, I can't afford for the lens to get out of focus. I can't afford for anything. And we think when we read about, when we read about Uzziah, we think, well, how rash that was of God. How cruel 
that was of God. No, it was God keeping a clear and a concise message. Uzziah, this is not about a censer in your hand. This is more than fire. This is more. I've got a message I'm sending to a New Testament church. I've got to keep the message clear that I've got my hand on one. I've got my hand on one. Hallelujah. Amen. So there is just one. There is just one God and one mediator between God and men. And that is that man, he said, is Christ Jesus. Amen. So what are these signs? I believe the first sign, the first sign was the fact that Jesus resurrected from the dead. That was living proof that he was God. That's why we should never, never discount the power of Resurrection Sunday. I want you to know I realize that that day may not be the day in particular, but that is the day that we honor and recognize the fact that we're serving a living God. We're serving a risen God. It was proof that he was the Son of God. Isaiah 11, 1, Jesus Christ is referred to as the rod out of the stem of Jesse. What an unusual description. The rod, amen, a root Amen. Rather, a rod out of the stem of Jesse. We know that Jesus Christ was in the lineage of Jesse. Isaiah 53 and 2 and 3 talks about that dry and that dead rod. It is described in verse number 2. He is described as a root. Amen. We're talking about Jesus now. He is described as a dead dry root in the ground amen a dead dry root in a dry pasture of dirt he's described as having no form or no comeliness that's what the scripture talks about in describing Jesus amen in verse number 3 the Bible talks about that Jesus was despised and rejected of men and so I'm going to tell you if the Lord or the word of the Lord would describe him looking like this when he was alive then just think what he must have looked like as they took that body off that cross and they began to wrap that body and they began to put that body in the tomb he looked like a rod he looked like a stick he looked unfruitful he looked dry he meant to say the least he looked dead bloodied and beaten to a pulp there is nothing here there is nothing to celebrate there is no reason to carry on those that were the closest to him looked down rejected and dejected in their spirit Hallelujah. His enemies, meanwhile, were rejoicing while the followers were disillusioned. But like that rod, amen, that rod that was placed in the tent of tabernacle, praise God, amen, that wasn't the only tomb around. That wasn't the only tomb holding a dead body. But I will tell you, it's whatever moved, <laughs> whatever moved on the rod of Aaron that night was moving in that borrowed tomb of Joseph. Praise God. In the darkness of that tomb there was a quickening power and that quickening power was not the whimsical will of men but it was the divine will of God and that rod that dry rod that bloodied and beaten and bruised and battered rod it was quickened by the power of the Holy Ghost Jesus Christ was alive and he was well let's clap our hands and magnify My Lord, I love you. I love you, Jesus. Romans 1 and 4 says of Jesus, Amen, declare the Son of God by the power of the resurrection from the dead. He was not declared because of what his, 
his name was, so to speak, or what his heritage was. He was not declared because of where he lived, what he drove, the sandals that he wore, but he was declared the Son of God by the power of the resurrection from the dead. And so how do we know that our faith and how do we know that our religion is real? How do we know that Jesus Christ is the true and living God? Have we all just skated out here on thin ice? Taking the word of our grandparents? Taking the word of our aunts and uncles or friends? Are we here tonight because we've been persuaded by the silver tongue of somebody that could just talk, out-talk the other fellow? Are we here tonight because we're trying to navigate our way through life and avoid going to hell? No, no, no. We're not here tonight hoping this word is true. We're not here tonight just trusting that everything is going to come out in the wash or everything will work out in the end. Amen. We need to understand that there are gods many in this world. (laughs) Amen. There are gods many in this world. And so do with the gods of this world, what the Lord told Moses to do with the rods of those men. Just lay them all down. (laughs) Write their names on it. And let's just see what happens. Let's let time tell the story. Let's just let time tell the story. Lay them side by side. It is amazing. We are probably... We would probably be shocked tonight if we knew all manner of things that people worship in the world in which we live today. And I'm not talking about in third world countries. I'm not talking about in deep, dark jungles in some obscure place. But I'm talking about right here in, the, in America, right in the streets of our own city. Amen. But let's just lay them all out. Let's just lay them side by side. And let's see who is alive. And let's see who is well. Millions follow Buddha. Millions follow Muhammad and such. The list could go on and on and on. However, when they were laid in their respective tombs, can I tell you tonight? They They are still there. Hallelujah. They are still there. But just like like Jonah, amen, just like Jonah was three days in the belly of that prepared fish, so will the Son of Man be in the earth. Hallelujah. And true, true to his word, you lay them out. And I'll show you who the God of this world, I'll show you who the God of time and eternity is going to be. Lay them out, Moses. Lay them out. Hallelujah. And the one Morning. In the morning, you're going to not see just blooms and not just blossoms, but you're going to see fruit. And so take all your gods and you lay them out. And I will tell you that on resurrection morning, Jesus Christ himself came. Oh, yes, he did to redeem a lost and a fallen world. My, my, my. Again, Romans 1 and 4 says of Jesus. I'm repeating myself, but he was declared the Son of God. How? Because he had enough friends to cast a vote? He was declared the Son of God because he made enough people happy. (laughs) He was declared the Son of God because he fed people with fishes and loaves or he turned water to wine. He was declared the Son of God because he raised a widow woman. No, no, no. He was declared the Son of God by one thing. When there was nothing but death all around, life came. When there was nothing but dryness, that root of David, amen, that root from the stem of David became alive forevermore. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Amen. I'm glad to be home. 
Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It was Aaron's rod that budded. It was Aaron's rod that blossomed. And it was Aaron's rod that brought forth almonds. Because I need to show this generation and the one coming. We don't ever need to have this happen again. I'm going to prove my word. I'll ask our musicians to come, but I want you to stay with me because I want to share something with you. An interesting passage in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1. Now, for the sake of time, I want to, I want to uh, let's see. We're going to really look at the first 12 verses, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to paraphrase some of this. If we were to drop down to verse number 5, I'll just skip to that point. The Bible says to Jeremiah, who was a young man, by the way, he said to Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. <laughs> I knew you, I sanctified you, and then he said, I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. This was before you ever stepped foot. I formed you, amen, I knew you, I sanctified you, I ordained you. And to this, Jeremiah, overwhelmed by the call of God on his life, said, Hey, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm just a child. Who among us has not felt those inadequacies? You, you ordained me a prophet to the nations, are you kidding me? I am just a child. I can't do this. I don't have what it takes to do this. <clears throat> Amen. But the Lord said unto me, Say not I'm a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Well, that was quite a rebuke. Amen. That was quite a rebuke. He said, be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then verse number 9, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. This would be a lot to receive at one time. Then he goes on to say, I have set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, to plant. He was just a moment ago saying, I can't, I can't even speak because I'm just a child. But I'm going to put words, my words, in your mouth. When I am through with you, you're going to open your mouth and I'm going to give you power over kingdoms. And those powers are going to be to root out. And those powers are going to be to pull down. And those powers are going to be to destroy. Those powers are going to be to throw down, to build, and to plant. It would seem as though. Right here that Jeremiah had received enough from the Lord to prove his call. But there was one more thing. <laughs> there was one more question. That the God, that God was going to ask Jeremiah. And so he's Jeremiah. I don't know how you vision this. I just try to read these verses slow. And I picture him just feeling the weight of all this responsibility. Jeremiah is kind of wobbling maybe on his feet in his humanity. 
And then the Lord said in verse 11, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me and said, Jeremiah, after having received this powerful word, Jeremiah, after hearing all that I'm going to use you to do, Jeremiah, after all this talking about pulling down, plucking up, and planting, after all this, Jeremiah, I need to ask you, what do you see, Jeremiah? And Jeremiah clears his eyes. Amen. Maybe he wipes his eyes a little bit, gets himself, and he said, I see the rod, I see a rod of an almond tree. And the Lord said unto me, Thou hast well seen. I will hasten my word to perform it. When he said, Jeremiah, what do you see? Jeremiah wasn't looking at an almond tree. He was looking at the Lord. Amen. What do I see? I see you. I see you high. I see you lifted up. I see your strength. I see your power. I see I see your majesty. I see your worth. I see your value. Amen. Jeremiah, you're looking at something worth seeing. You're looking at something worth beholding. Praise God. Let's stand across this house. Amen. Oh, what do you see, Jeremiah? Jeremiah said, I see you. That's what I see. I see you. I see you. Amen. All have been cut down. Just like Jesus was cut down. Isaiah 53 and 8. The Bible says he was cut off from the land of the living. That's what the scripture said. Jesus out of the land of the living. He died on that cruel cross. Placed in a borrowed tomb. Not unlike any other God that man has ever worshipped. To an end. However. Death still holds the others. In its steely grasp. But death couldn't hold him. Amen. Jesus, amen, the tomb was empty. And that empty tomb speaks so many volumes of things. Praise God. And the first thing we've already mentioned tonight again and again, raised from the dead. Another type, Aaron's rod that budded and bloomed and gave forth fruit. The third type, amen, that he gave life out of barren, barrenness. Amen. What a great, glorious, miraculous gospel that we're preaching. Amen. There's nothing dead about this. There's nothing dry about this. There's nothing barren about this. The power of the Word of God. I know I've kind of been on this in the last few services, but I'm going to tell you it doesn't matter who's behind this desk, who's standing behind this open book. There's something powerful about, about the preached Word of God. Because the word is alive and the word bears much fruit. Much fruit. Amen. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. Amen. This is who he is. Can we lift our hands across this building? Amen. Let's magnify him in this house. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.